2: Welcome to You're Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares?
3: I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual Textual healing. healing. Okay, so uh, Fabian Nelson, an openly gay man running for Mississippi State Senate House Seat 66, won the Democratic runoff this week. Uh, now, since there is no Republican challenger in his heavily Democratic-leaning district, he is assured to become the first gay person elected to the state of Mississippi. And I,
2: um, I know, I'm sorry, I, want, I have to interrupt. I was shocked that there was any
3: Democratic-leaning district in Mississippi. So remember, now this is this is state. So this is like all like local districts, yeah. and Mississippi has. Um, Large swaths of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, like concentrated black voters, and so Mississippi is very, very uh, polarized when it comes to racial, like race right. and voting. So yeah. almost all voter black voters are Democrat there, and almost all white voters are Republican. Wow, because that sounds like the... a generalization,
1: but okay. <laughs> because on the federal level, especially with yeah. like this, the House of Representatives, the representatives from Mississippi, they they've they've sort of jiggered it so that there's a way in which only white People are elected, Um, but at the state level, it has been—it's a a little bit—it's always a little bit different. It's like that in Missouri too,
3: Uh, but I mean, but still, Mississippi has a has a great black electorate as well. Yeah. And so I just thought this was kind of an interesting we won't obviously get into the weeds. Let's see. But the New York Times reported that he never made sexuality a central part of his campaign, which makes sense. Of course. Uh, It said, quote, when he campaigned in South Jackson, he talked about the city's water crisis and and about crime. When he campaigned in rural areas, he talked about broadband access and economic development, Um, as I said. Uh, Makes sense. Speak to your voters, not the Axios electorate, uh, (laughs) as as I put it. Now, this leaves uh, one. There's only one state left in the United States of America that has not vote, that has not elected an openly LGBTQ lawmaker. And I will let our listeners spend a brief moment guessing what that state might be (laughs) before I reveal. It is. Louisiana, which I'm honestly, to me, the biggest story of this article was that I'm surprised Louisiana is the last state because it is, of course, very conservative. But it also has New Orleans, which is a huge city and very, very, like, gay friendly for a southern city. So I'm just surprised well, they've never had.
1: It's I mean, it is gay friendly economically. It is not necessarily even the Democratic lawmakers on in some situations are not necessarily LGBTQ friendly. It's a, they dance, they do a weird dance down there in Louisiana Mm -hmm. in terms of the, the, how the democratic politics work, because it is, it does skew sometimes fairly conservative or Southern in some ways.
3: Yeah. 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 Yeah, But like, just compared to like Alabama, even like the Dakotas, um, I feel like conservatism isn't quite as harsh or mean Outside of the South, I I, I think conservatism tends – at least uh, maybe that maybe you would disagree, but I just find conservatism in, like, the Great Plains and the West to be a little bit less mean-spirited than it, it is in the South. Oh. I feel like all of them most – Beware Staten Island. Never visit Staten Island. I would
1: say the conservative – I mean, to me, the conservatives that I fear in terms of some of their politics is – Ohio, or like you know the the states that the um, I don't know those states that where there is an, a moderate there is a moderate electorate there sure but there tends to be an extreme Republicanism in some capacities or a Republicanism that can like it, and the, the old Republicans are gone in terms of like the ones that were kind of okay with having a gay son or were kind of okay you know what I mean like a whole new swath have been elected especially in the era of Trump that. Makes it kind of like it just sometimes Southern Republic. I mean, and now also like look at Georgia. Georgia completely rejected their that that style of Republicanism and went completely democratic. So like there is a lot of really really good change happening in the South, and yeah. hope, hopefully that that sort of
3: bleeds out into other areas and other states. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Ohio's taken very gone very far to the right. Yeah, um, in the last. Ten years. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. What are your thoughts, guys? what do you What do you think about um, our friend Fabian Nelson?
2: I mean, it's just. I mean, it's just exciting, you know. Like, as we as everyone just keeps saying, like, you know, representation is is the key, and like seeing that it's just the knowledge of of knowing that that's even happening, I think, is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. I'm like Mississippi. I, I I get it now that you've explained it. Like the but but even so, I'm like Mississippi is. I can't wrap my head around what ha- what even goes on there. <laughs> so <laughs> having having well, a, lots a, of like, good things a, like, go official... on, especially the people who listen to this podcast from Mississippi.
1: <laughs> good people exist in Mississippi, Elliot. It's a shocker, I, I know. I
2: just can't imagine like what
3: What's the Mississippi? Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi. Mississippi is right? a beautiful Mississippi state. Mississippi is lacking big city. I mean, Alabama has like you you put Mississippi and Alabama in the same category, but like Alabama has big uh, several big cities, quote unquote mm. big. But like you know, relatively Mississippi is like almost cityless. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, but, but have you been I mean, there, Alan? I've driven through it many times. I've I've stayed there before as well. It's it's a it's a beautiful state. I mean, it's you know, there's I guess it has. A lot of problems, especially with the state's politics in terms of, like, getting money to where it should be going to. And certain populations are definitely being hurt a lot in the state of Mississippi. But uh, it is a beautiful state with great food and good people. And, you know, it's a – I mean, I've only driven through it, so I can't say much. But every time I've driven through it and ate there, I've had a wonderful time.
2: (laughs) Is it considered the South or is it the Midwest? It's the
1: South. It's definitely the South.
3: Mississippi? Yeah. In the Midwest?
1: It, yeah, it's it's below I don't know. so there's the there's the um I mean what well, it's not the line. I forget the line. But there's this it's like it's right below Arkansas. So it's it's definitely Uh-oh. the south.
2: Yeah, that's the south. I guess I get confused between like Mrs. Missouri is technically the Midwest.
1: Yeah. Missouri would
3: would I would say is like sort of the heart of the Midwest.
1: Yeah. It, it, right. it kind of it kind of borders southern cuz especially after you go out of St. Louis and Kansas City, anything south of sort of Springfield Definitely has a southern quality to it. Um, The Ozarks, very Dolly Parton, very sort of you know what I mean. It's there's a southern element to it, but it is very Midwest. What about Oklahoma? Oklahoma is interesting because it is sort of the gate gateway. It's the gateway to the West in a lot of ways, but it is also southern because it's it has a it's it has a Texas aspect to it. So there's like there's a little bit of a southern quality to it. But I always considered Oklahoma more west than southern. Uh, right. interesting. Yeah, Although I, I Reba McIntyre is I from Oklahoma. So that's I mean she's the queen of country. So, you know.
3: Could you say that again? Reba McIntyre.
1: Reba McIntyre is the is from Oklahoma and she's the queen of country. So, maybe. Yeah, that's the south. Yeah, that's definitely the, that's definitely the south. But no, am I thinking on this is it's wonder I mean Listen, we need more queer people in general elected to office in any way that they can get elected. They should be getting elected. Particularly, we need more, you know, people of color and, and women, queer people elected in, in spaces just so that there's more just visibility in there, in state houses, in local. Hu- I mean, literally, it's all, everything is local. So the more queer people who run for local office, I mean— Everyone dreams of being a U.S. Senator, Brent Sullivan, but start locally, start with the city council, start with the school boards. The school boards need so many people elected so the, and, and horrible things are happening in schools right now across the country in terms of, you know, what they're banning in books so certain books in libraries and the whole LGBT stuff that we've talked about. like lots of things are happening. So I think it's fantastic. I don't necessarily like in terms of just the narrative, saying he didn't run on his sexuality just because to me it's sort of like people in many areas of differing viewpoints have the capability of saying okay he might be gay but he also is x y and z and i don't know denying it or downplaying it or using it as sort of like a a token of like oh he got elected by not talking about his sexuality to me is sort of like a it means that his sexuality is somehow not relevant to who he is as a person and i think in many ways especially especially for him and what he's doing i think it i think it is a relevant part of it it's why we're talking about it and so you know i don't necessarily like that that's highlighted
3: although i hate axios so i mean i don't want to be that person well, but i it's interesting because i think of it in like like i i definitely know where you're coming from and i think the uh, I think the intense scrutiny about him being, you know, elected as a gay person comes from a leader, a elite parts of the country. I think they care more. And to mm. me, it was the New York Times was almost saying, don't tell these people, don't tell the voters in his district yeah. what they care about. They voted for this person because they liked his politics and that was important. And mm-hmm. I don't think that the article. Dismissed that claim that like, yeah, they know he's gay and they're fine with that, you know, to, yeah. certainly to a uh, a certain degree. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's this uh, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to articulate is so there's, as I call it, the Axios electorate, which is like, you know, liberals in Los Angeles, Chicago and San Francisco mm-hmm. and D.C. or whatever. Reading these posts and be like, why aren't they talking about his sexuality? Well, why did he run out of sexuality? And I'm that a... I don't think is always productive. It makes well, me... you won't it... like to know that
2: I saw people flyering this past week for maybe a girl.
1: Good. I no. I there is there is it made me think about Anise Parker who was the um first openly well she was lesbian mayor of Houston, the first lesbian mayor of Houston, and she ran on lots of different things, including that she was out as, as a lesbian. And sure Houston isn't, is a very, very, it's a metropolis. It's a big city. So lots of differing politics in that city. And she definitely um, benefited from the diversity of that city and how big it was. But I also think it's pretty telling that a a person, you know, from, uh, from Houston, Texas, a gay person, a queer person can be elected in 2009. She was elected. Um, And before any other big city like Chicago ever elected a queer person mayor, so like, and that was in the South, and that was a big deal. And so I think your sexuality can be a part of who you are when you campaign, and it shouldn't necessarily be like a caveat.
3: Agreed. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) The end. Not even joking.
2: We are here today with... Uh, the co-creator of, as many fans of this podcast would know, my favorite, my, my big obsession of twenty twenty two and twenty three, Titanic. We're here with Marla Mandel. No,
1: I'm sorry, no Marla Mindel. What am I doing? I know. I was gonna say Mandel's sort of like a like a like Why a.
0: Why did I say Mandel? I mean, isn't Howie Mandel?
1: But isn't that also yeah. like an old girls group, like the Mandel 60s, Sisters? Is that it? Yeah.
0: The Mandel Sisters. I wait. I've never heard of them. Oh, I mean, I just, have. Two sisters. I mean, we're technically the Mandel sisters now.
2: <laughs> I think it's literally Alan and I just referencing one line from the Golden Girls, even though we
1: don't know no, no, the context. No. It's the Mandrell sisters. Barbara Mandrell ah. and the Mandrell sisters. <laughs> wow. This intro, I think we should keep it because we really went into some nostalgia yeah. here. <laughs> Sorry, Marla.
2: No, I, that's
0: I, okay. Please. Most I'll importantly,
2: most importantly, yes, you are the co-creator of Titanic, which we'll get into, a, into a, in a second. But even more importantly, you were the high school prom date of my friend Avi Wisnia. Stop past it. guest, past guest on this podcast as That's well. Right. Yes.
0: Stop it. Do you know when we were both, I was a senior. It was my senior uh, high school prom and he was a grade above me. On And on the way home, he was like, so I think I might, I don't know if I'm, if I'm outing him. I'm sorry. But he was nope. like, I think He's... I might be like into guys. And I was like, that's crazy because I think I'm into girls. And we both came uh-huh. out to each other at our prom. Oh, that's so sorry. great. Isn't that so cute? That is
1: so, wait, so what did you wear to prom? Like what was prom like for you?
0: Okay, do you guys remember Caché? The female store Caché. It oh, was like, yes. It, yes. Was, it was a brand for like, 50-year-old globe-trotting women. (laughs) And at that time, my senior year, they called me Patty Newscaster because I dressed like a 40-year-old woman. I had like (laughs) poofed-out hair. I didn't know how to use a flat iron. I wore like easy spirit, (laughs) unironically. Anyway, so I had lost a bunch of weight and I was like, I'm going to shop at Caché. So that's what I wore, which was not traditional.
1: Wow. I love that.
2: That's like you you went to... uh, I love those stores because I don't know what that is, but I can... This is crazy. I don't know what that is, but I can picture the logo.
0: Oh yeah, cachet with like an accent aigu <laughs> yeah, over the e. Yes.
1: Did
2: you and ever?
0: Yes.
1: Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. You, you no, walked in. No. What?
0: No. I walked in and I saw a I saw a mustard yellow dress with like leaves in beads down the side, and I was like, "I'll take it." <laughs> I also <laughs> in high
1: school, I also got the newscaster line because of my voice. I, I would people would always tell oh. me like. You sound like a newscaster. You sound like you're always on. I'd get made fun of all the time for that. And I'm like, it's just me. I'm just being me.
0: I would much rather get made fun of for my speaking voice than my literal fashion sense. I do want
2: to I do want to get a better idea. of What does that mean that you dress like a 40 year old woman while in high school?
0: I I just like I'm talking. It was like Ann Taylor Loft and and. And I worked at the limited. So I got a 40% oh. discount on the limited. And it would play a lovely, lovely day, lovely day, <laughs> that friggin' song on repeat. And I would just work there and I would shop and I would get all of their clothing. And I look, I, I, I'm i a timeless face, I guess. I can say. <laughs> but when I was at uh, 18, this woman came up to me and she was like, Can I ask you, are you 40? I was like, Are you serious? And wow. I was like, something's got to change
1: wow (laughs) and then i did a
0: revamp i did i did a a rebranding of myself
2: (laughs) that's
0: so
3: funny well wait 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 real real quick what was her response when you told her that you were not only not 40 you were 18 years old
0: (laughs) the craziest thing is that this was my freshman year of college and so this girl who's a senior comes up to me and she's like are you 40 i was like, Uh, girl i'm a freshman in frigging college like uh, get out of here yeah i was so offended and then, and then this, other, this other guy said to me this other guy said to me he was gay and so he was like you have such a pretty face if only you could dress better it was literally that
3: <laughs> i mean that's a cl- classic gay line yeah for it is sure. a, that is definitely well, a classic gay line yeah so then
0: i i literally dropped in the cafe. worst way
3: by the way is what i mean in the worst most <laughs> yeah. embarrassing no, I know. embarrassed for my culture way yes yeah.
0: <laughs> So I dropped cachet and then I started shopping at Dillard's which is basically cachet wow. adjacent
3: <laughs> I thought that was a
1: department store from like in London no no Dillards we had a Dillard where are you from Marla
0: I'm from Bucks County Pennsylvania okay but when I but I went to college in Ohio which okay. is like basically home of the Dillards and yeah. I would go there literally all the time and then I, I upgraded to BCBG. Which I, th- I think is still in existence. Mm, I, I think know. so. That I feels
3: know. right. That yeah, feels right. My,
0: Yeah, here's a tour through my fashion sense. <laughs> we <laughs> we,
1: we See, had a Dillard's in, in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was really big. Yes. It was a big deal. Yes, yes. Yeah. It
0: was a big deal. Brent, yeah. It was a big deal. I'm thinking
1: of Harrods. That's what I'm thinking oh, of.
2: Yeah. Oh, Harrods. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of That's course, definitely
0: of course. That's
2: definitely Brent British. and I sort of bonded a lot, uh, over Brent. He would reference, early on in our friendship, reference those like deep cut mall stores like Cachet, these stores where you're like, do they exist like in real life? And so Brent always talks about Aero Oh
1: yeah
2: Oh my
0: God, of course. Don't Anybody you shop like there? People? Elliot, don't you anyway. shop
1: there? You've bought stuff from there recently, like within the last 10 years. No, no, no. no I've shopped at Cotton On.
0: Oh, cotton on. <laughs> I don't
1: know, Cotton On.
2: That's, that's, a, that's a big
0: one. I like it. When I was called Patty Newscaster, I, <laughs> when I, when I was called Patty Newscaster, I actually started shopping. My mom felt so bad for me that she took me to Wet Seal and I went on a shopping oh. spree at Wet Seal to like oh, try to like- yeah.
3: Yeah, to be cool, cool. Yeah. I yeah.
0: had
1: I had that too. I, my mom took me to the Gap. This was like my senior year, and I wanted because I was trying to transition from wearing all pastels <laughs> to, <laughs> to to wearing like normal clothes. And my mom took me to uh, the Gap, and I'm trying to be cool and everything in the Gap. And then literally in the middle of the Gap, my mom just yells, "Ah, my sciatica!" Which, like, <laughs> wasn't cool. And now and now I suffer from sciatica pain, too. So it's, like, it's, oh. it's full circle. We're having full, full circle.
2: circle. We're
3: having Genetics. full circle. Like, mother, like, son.
2: <laughs> well, okay. So I just want to – we have to get into, like, the the your northern star, the, the, the thing that made you who you are, which is Titanic. Uh, the guys oh know God. I'm obsessed.
3: The listeners know I'm obsessed. Yeah, um, why don't I'm, you explain it one more time really quick? Uh, so that listeners are reminded of what Titan- Titanic is. Should I or should Marla? I would Neither actually I
0: would I would love to hear like your log line of it because yeah. everyone's kind of like, how do I describe this? I would it's, love to hear what you think.
2: It's a batshit <laughs> bat, batshit crazy yes. retelling Check. of Titanic the movie mm-hmm. as a Celine Dion jukebox musical.
0: That is perfect, and I it's love per- how you led with batshit oh, and crazy with Celine
2: is- Dion on the Titanic. With so, Celine yeah. yes. retelling it, and Marla created the co-created the show, all of it, including uh, originating the part of Celine. And it's the fun one of the funniest things I have ever seen in my life.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, so Celine Dion, because you know that she's like she's like this kooky angel descended from like a French Canadian planet. Yeah, musical. Yeah. Yeah. She she believes that she was on the Titanic on the ty- Titanic in 1912. Uh so she's like with Jack and Rose and it just like uses all of her songs and her discography to tell the story and it is it is yes, batshit crazy, queer, campy. Have
1: you heard uh, have you heard any I mean this is the thing that I always wonder about this show because like Celine Dion is kind of always in on the joke for a lot of things. Like she's definitely game for a is lot of she? things. She is though. Like she she always kind of has been. She's kind of plays makes fun of I think sort of in her own way, makes fun of herself. and In her, her own way. In her own way. and has, Have you heard anything from Celine Dion's camp?
0: Oh, my God, yes. Oh. I mean, basically everyone in her camp but her has come to see the show, which is fun, because <laughs> if she came, I would, I always say this, I would die. Yeah. I would faint on stage. Somehow she would like waltz on stage and she would just like pick up and the musical got would this. be exactly the same. She'd be like, I got to go from, let me take it from here. Okay. And the musical would be exactly the same. So like when it, when it came out, I mean, so David Foster came who wrote yeah. all of her iconic songs, her publicist came and was like, the queen would love this. Her hairstylist, her physicians, her backup dancers, her, her makeup artists. Her physician. Her physician. <laughs> her physician. Her physician. was like, I'm her physician in Canada. She would love this.
1: Everyone knows Wait Celine on. somehow, I think. Everyone knows Celine. Did you, yeah, did you say degrees. David Foster, like the songwriter? Yeah.
0: The songwriter. So he wrote a lot of her songs, like All By Myself and yeah. Right. Yolanda's so, so he husband, came, right? Uh, y- Yolanda's former husband and Ex-husband. now Kat yeah current husband and stepfather
3: right. and stepfather. Yes.
0: And stepfather. Yes. 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 Wait, 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 back,
3: back to the physician. Do do we know is he is she his only client? Like, is he just like, is she that rich that she just pays this guy to like answer her questions, her hypochondriac questions all day? Do you know, I
0: think that this guy if I recall correctly, that he was maybe her doctor on maybe tour or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So it was like a tour. It was like a tour physician, but he flew yeah. He flew from Canada, I believe, to see it. I mean, she has wow. such diehard fans. Yeah. And because unfortunately she's, she's you know, I wish her so much love and joy and success with her uh, yeah. illness, but, but there have been so many fans of hers that have come to see the show in replace of one of her concerts. Mm-hmm. So, like, people from Germany have been like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. In yeah right. my well, just life to, give, because to give some, I can't see her.
1: some backstory yeah. on that. So, like, Celine Dion has, I mean, it's a disease, not to make fun of it at all, because it is horrible and it sounds horrible, but like, it is also a disease that only Celine Dion would have. It's called stiff person <laughs> syndrome. And say, she sorry, had, say it again. St- your stiff, voice cut out. stiff person syndrome. Stiff person syndrome. And it, she had to delay all of her dates, her tour dates because of this illness. And it's actually a horrible illness that like causes a ton of different problems. But it's also like Celine Dion can't have the run of the mill illness. She has to have one of those unique illnesses that is unique oh, to Celine God. Dion. Oh God,
0: I just, I want her to get better so same, badly. Same. I, I just, the funny thing to me is that she is just, she. I grew up on her. My holy trinity was Celine, Mariah and Whitney. Mm, and, yeah. I, mm-hmm. and then of course, like, uh, uh Patty Lepone and Barbara. Yeah, but like yeah. my top three were like those women, and so she to me is the greatest singer of all time. And I have looked up to her, and she's my icon. And so, you know, what I'm so thankful for with our show is that as she's going through this, if like we can be like a vessel for her, yeah. like her spirit animal in this time, and we can bring joy that she can't bring at the moment, like then I feel that we're when we're doing did, our job.
1: When did you first like, Are, become obsessed with Celine Dion?
0: Oh my God! I mean, so, like. T- 9, 10. I mean, I'm aging myself, but, like, when she was on the radio, like, that's the way, yeah, yeah. like, all that stuff. And, like, to love you more. Yeah. And all by myself. I just would day. Build... I, I like new, a day.
1: new day. Oh, see, no, I'm oh, all so, about yeah. the, the, beca- Good. the because I you love me. I was build my tits
0: off in my room all the time, and I just became obsessed with her. And she helped – I mean, she shaped my voice. I'm like a poor man's – a homeless man's Celine, but <laughs> <laughs> what is
2: there? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you sound amazing in the show. I mean, truly, it's, it's – you know, you're obviously – super talented so you, were you you were doing musical theater before titanic but you and ty blue who you've had in the podcast yeah and constantine, constantine. rizzouli uh-huh. worked together on this almost like as a as like a a like a to, as a gag it seemed like
0: oh a true gag we were all Connie and I, we were all in New York. We all moved independently to Los Angeles. We were all like, screw musical theater. We're going to make it in Hollywood. God was like, LOL, have a good time. (laughs) We wound up doing dinner theater together in Los Angeles. And we were all broke and unemployed. And then Connie came up to me at a bar at the the dinner theater. And he was like, what if we did Titanic, Titanic with all Celine Dion songs? And you'll be Celine. And at the time I was like, that is that'll never happen. It just will never happen. And I don't want to do that because I love her too much and I don't want to destroy her. Yeah. (laughs) So I would rather die. Thank you so much. (laughs) And then Ty two years later, after this initial idea was like, I think we should start it. And at the time I was like, I can't start on another free project. This is going to be such a waste of time. (laughs) Like, you know how LA is like, you just like, you can't even like meet people for lunch, let alone like write a musical. Do you know what I mean? So yes, I just went into it with utter dread and literally not literally not wanting to do it. But we were broken, unemployed. What else was there to do? So we just started writing it for fun. And then we just started doing readings in Los Angeles and it, got, it became like this thing. And I was like, is this actually funny? Maybe we should take it to New York. And then when we took it to New York, Broadway producer Eva Price uh, she had seen it in Los Angeles, but then she started bringing people to New York. So David Foster came to New York and all these producers swirled around and then it just became this thing. Mm. I mean, well, we as, had the pandemic, but then of course, became- but
2: as I said, when Ty was here, it's like the show is batshit crazy. it's I, I love I love when you just lean into stupidity, like layers and layers and layers <laughs> of stupidity. But the best part about it is that you can tell. At its core, it is literally created by people trying to make each other laugh.
0: Yes, wow. one thousand percent. So
2: <laughs> good. So my question, I have a question. So how in the world did you manage to write a Celine jukebox musical without paying? I'm assuming like I would imagine like the licensing for all the music would be expensive it's unless parody. what parody law or something? Yeah.
0: Par- yes, you're yeah. yes, correct. You're oh. excellent at all this. Well, it's so it's a it's a it's twofold. When we first started doing it, we were doing it in these cabaret spaces and we were just doing it for fun. And we were doing readings. It wasn't like very staged. It was just like music stands and a dream and our credit card. There was no money. So we were just doing it. And then once it became more serious, Eva Price, the producer is like, she is, she produces all of the biggest jukebox musicals. So then we employed uh, a lawyer to get some of the songs and we lost a couple songs But the songs that we did get, I'm shocked. Like, we got Beauty and the Beast. We got River Deep Mountain High. So, like, which is crazy because that's the the Tina musical...
3: And I'm curious, so when, and and perhaps you don't know all the, all the details, um, but when you say lost, what does that mean? Does that mean like the heir of a fortune said, you know, got an email and said, no, like what does lost mean? Yeah. So
0: like, so we lost all coming back to me now. That was the original (gasps) opening of the musical. I know I cried. I literally cried when we lost that one because that's like, because meatloaf actually wrote that yeah with right. jim steinman i'm sorry jim steinman wrote it for meatloaf mm-hmm. and it's now in this musical called that out of hell mm-hmm. so they didn't want to give it to us but uh-huh. meanwhile on the other hand river deep is in tina and they gave it to us so it just kind of depends uh-huh. on i guess
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the, uh, the ego or if yeah. people want to give it or they don't want to give it we lost power of love Or, cause I'm your lady. We lost that one.
3: What, are you trying to get us in trouble here? Come on. Come on. (laughs) No, keep doing it. Keep doing it.
0: I'm sorry. uh, There was a woman named Jennifer Rush who originally recorded this song in the 80s and then Celine covered it. And Celine made it huge. And so I think Jennifer was not fond of that. And then we lost... We lost uh that's and that's the way it is oh. to uh Anne Juliet, because Max Martin wrote that and Anne Juliet is a Max Martin musical. Yeah. So oh. we lost those Wait, three. You
2: don't you don't sing that's not in the show at all, and that's the way it is?
0: I sing one line of it and <laughs> one show. line,
2: right. Yeah. I just sing I love- a little
0: line and then we go into a different song.
1: <laughs> what about my heart will go on? <laughs>
0: Oh, my heart will go on. My heart will go on is definitely. Yeah. if we lost, say, my heart will go on. Like, then we wouldn't would you, have had the have a, In my opinion,
1: exactly. Yeah, that would yeah. have been tragic. That would have been tragic.
2: The one yeah. song that I that I wished I'd heard, but I feel like is a little bit too much of a deep cut, is the one for the music video that I still remember seeing on VH1 as a kid, where I was like, "She's hot." Oh my god! And it was her. <laughs> it was the it was the song um, "Love Can Move Mountains."
0: Oh yeah, love, love can move. Yeah, love that one. <laughs> That was almost our ending, but oh, it, is, I love that. it is so much of a deep cut. It is. And, yeah. and that's what, well, and, and,
2: and that's what I, I'm sorry to, to like stand in this insane way, but another reason that the show is so good in my opinion is because it not only rewards, everyone knows what Titanic is. Everyone knows the movie is everyone knows who Celine is, but you re- <laughs> reference these like YouTube videos that I happen like I'm not a oh. big Selene fan as you are but I've seen these videos I think a lot of us have seen these videos because they came around like 10-ish years yes. ago yeah they're just super cuts of her like DVD being concert. silly yeah, yeah, being yeah. silly yeah yeah and I've you guys reference some of the cra- like the craziest weirdest little deep cuts that <laughs> I hate to say this but like when those happened in the theater I was like screaming
0: oh great. but I felt like
2: most people didn't get what that was and it just you just kind of move on the show is like at a frenetically perfect pace but I was like <laughs> oh my god I can't believe they just
3: reference like do you see I forget what line it's not oh yeah well the way, wait, the way to Elliot's heart Alan and I know this better than any people in the entire world the way to <laughs> Elliot's heart is touching upon Late art, internet, yes, yeah, zeitgeist, Same. and he and will
1: particularly obscure. Scream. I mean, it has yes. to be the most obscure. Like, literally, there was a video of Celine Dion doing an interview with uh, Gail King a couple years ago, and she does the whole peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut yeah. jelly, peanut jelly butter and jelly. baseball a bat. Peanut yeah, peanut butter
0: jelly, with a baseball and baseball back. Even
1: that is too mainstream for Elliot to find particularly no, no, like God. obsessive love, as well. I love the
2: peanut butter jelly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: probably around the same age so i feel like when youtube came out they made these super cuts of celine yeah. Dion being like thanking everyone she was like i'd like to thank the men the women the children in the world <laughs> Every, and then everybody. it's like everybody in the world yes. so like yeah. yeah so we just put that in because it's just so funny we like it's and so then if you at- get it you get it and you don't you don't and we yeah. move on but it's still funny yeah. to people yeah
2: oh, it's so funny um i don't want to sorry i don't want to supersede if, if brent or alan have any questions because i could keep asking but i guess um my another question is how did you c- prepare for the role of like ha- as somebody who's a fan how do you prepare for the role how
1: do you how do you become <laughs> well, Celine I want to add on to that too also like because you love Celine so much how do you not make it offensive because it's easy right. to make Celine Dion I think it's easy to be offensive about Celine Dion I think and sort of make fun of her so how do you kind of do it as like a like a love note like you do do it, Yeah
0: Well, I, I, okay. So the first part of the question is I first had a panic attack when this was like becoming serious. I could not watch anything because I was so scared that I was going to butcher literally every note and her accent. And so when I first started, I was really bad, to be honest with Mm -hmm. you. And then when this became serious, I I got into an Instagram relationship with her. I started watching every single video all day long. First thing I saw upon waking, last thing before bedtime. And I started watching like all of her little, she has like such like a unique kind of symphonic sensibility with her hands and her face. You know, it's like (laughs) kind of twisted. So I just started incorporating that and. I, and I, because of my, I guess, Broadway background and, and the fact that I listened to her growing up, I just kind of tailored my voice to her. Mm-hmm. And then what I love about her is that she operates, even though she's kooky, she's crazy, she's a little bit in on the joke. She operates from a place of love. She is actually never mean in any interview. She's a little like wild, but she's like, you can tell that she has a genuinely good soul. And I think because we love her so much. We made very, very clear. We never want to offend her. We don't want the audience to be offended. We want people to literally see me as her. Like I want to be a dra- I, I want to be her in drag. You know yeah. what I mean? And I want people to revere that. So that was really, really important to us. I realized if I could channel all the love in the world and and make the audience feel just like so welcome and warm and mm-hmm. look at everyone in the eye that I think that I could become like a vessel for her so that's I, that's what I tried to do
3: I I love the image I t- completely understand not wanting to offend Celine and that this is really ultimately an homage to her but I love I love the idea of not wanting to offend an audience member and then imagining <laughs> someone coming and being like wow oh. How dare you? <laughs> I'm
0: we've sure had do an
3: impression of Celine Dion. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you have?
0: We've had, well, because it is Celine Dion and it is Titanic, but it's also wildly gay. And yeah. so we've had a couple, I mean, this happened once where like an 80 year old guy walked out, and as he was walking out, the usher heard him say, I'm too Christian for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> But then that I also had fine. another 80-year-old woman who was like, "I hate Celine Dion. I hate musicals and I love this." Wow. And I was like, <laughs> "With all due respect, why are you here?" Yeah.
2: Well, right. How would you get
0: there? I mean, who I knows? have to
1: I have to ask you because now like that you've been doing this for a while and you kind of become especially cuz the show was so big that you kind of become known as like a Celine Dion impersonator in a way. Are you getting requests to do Celine in other things outside of Titanic? Yeah, do you have like a
3: Cameo account?
0: I don't have a cameo because because at the time when I was doing Celine eight times a week, I was like, there was just no time. Yeah. But, but randomly, do you guys know the points guy on Instagram, yes. Brian? Yeah. So he's a huge, huge Celine Dion fan. He's seen her 20 times in concert. And so he flew me out to Portugal for his 40th birthday back in March with like Margaret Joseph's.
1: Oh my God. A, a
0: Real Housewives of New Jersey. Yes. Like it was star-studded. Girl with no job on Instagram, whose name <laughs> <laughs> escapes me. But like all these... Oh, Shangela performed. Kim Petras performed. Oh wow! No, was, I don't know God. any
3: of these people. Don't worry, Brent. They're
1: famous. They are famous. Yes.
0: They're they're all yeah. They're all of the queer cornerstone. Yeah. I, it was me, Shangela, and Kim Petras as like the entertainment. Wow. It was nuts. absolutely nuts. I was there for three days, and then I had to go back to the show. So it was like like it was like I was on tour. You were an
3: understudy? Do you have an understudy?
0: Oh yeah 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 yeah. I have now multiple understudies. Oh. This was only supposed to be for three months. Like, yeah. this whole thing is just-, <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> you're not, you're just you're not
2: doing it though anymore right
0: I'm taking a break from the show I mean break, I, yeah. Connie yeah Connie and myself did it for a year and then you know we're doing it eight shows a week off Broadway it's incredible but doing any show it's like dog years it's like one year yeah. is seven years when you do I, I, a I literally you know speed. you
2: watch a show like that you I, I, I watch any show but it's a show like Titanic and you're like I can't believe sometimes you do this twice a day it is so it it's, seems so exhausting. Exhausting, right? The
0: most exa- it's the most exhausting thing and as I get older I'm like I I'm like if you are uh, uh, turning 40 in musical theater and a woman you're mentally ill if yeah. you continue in this business. It is <laughs> insane. Yeah, like it yeah. is so exhausting. So Connie and I, after doing it for a year, we were like, let's take a little bit of a break. And also yeah. like Titanic, I feel like is about to like, I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers that it explodes on an international global, maybe a tour. I'm hoping. Yeah. And if yeah. that's the case, then, you know, there's a world that we can pop off to mm-hmm. different companies and set it and set it yeah. and forget it, you know? Oh, I love well, it's certainly
2: not, you know, it's certainly like the little show that could, I mean, it went from, but we all performed at the UCB when it of was course. the UCB. And then it turned to, to the asylum where you guys were performing it. And now it just keeps getting bigger. And I mean, I really do hope that it continues to grow and grow because, you know, again, it's like it's so it c- could be seen as niche because it is if so offbeat. But man, I feel like people see it, especially like that old woman who didn't like Celine or musicals. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is beyond all that. This transcends that. It's just a good time.
0: I think so too. I think that it is highly niche, but I also think that it's highly commercial. I mean, it's like two of the greatest, you know, nineties kind of, uh, I I think it's a perfect Venn diagram of the nineties. You have Titanic, you have Celine Dion. So all millennials, everyone, our age is coming to see it. But then like now, like bachelorette parties are coming to see it. And, and, the elderly are coming to see it and are just loving it. There's something for everyone. So yeah.
2: it's it's perfect. I love thank it you so, so much. much. Yeah. Oh, thank well, you. I can't, I, I could keep asking questions, but we have to wrap. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Marla, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad I got to see Titanic twice. I will see more of it. Um, but where can people follow you online?
0: Oh, you can find me at Marla Mandel on Instagram.
3: Mind and TikTok. T- yeah, yeah,
0: yes. Yes. <laughs> Not Mandel. the what what was it? Mandel- I Mandela. Mandela. Yeah. Mandela. I said
3: Mandela. Nelson Mandela. No. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Marla.
0: Thank you. And another thing.
3: So I wanted to have I wanted to have a conversation that is, for some reason, this is like weirdly personal to me. Uh, but I also am excited to have have this chat. Um, I wanted to talk about what I call personal ASMR sensations. So that is something that you find pleasurable, not sexually, Elliot, but something that you find pleasurable um, that you probably would expect no one else to to think feels good. Um, and again, pleasurable in you know whatever regard you you want to choose. So I'm I'm happy to start. Um, before you guys go, and I'll give you my list. Um, the first are, are uh, pretty obvious, twirling my tresses. I love twirling my hair. I have, haven't been able to stop my entire ho- life.
2: Hold on, hold on, hold on. When we say twirling your tresses, I <laughs> came up with that term because you're not twirling your tresses. You are <laughs> using one finger to twirl the top part of your skull I forget when you call that part. It's not the, it's like, it's the, it's the peak of your, of your cranium, basically. Yeah. But you have a thing where you just sit and you just essentially finger (laughs) (laughs) that one spot on your head. And it's very clearly very self-soothing,
3: but I called it twirling your tresses because it's so funny to me. It's the feeling. I actually can get a little bit more granular about this. It's, It's the feeling of the tips of my fingers coming in contact with my hair. I love that. I love that. Finger. Ah, okay. Yep. So that's one. Another one, biting my nails. I've always been a nail biter. I'm actually, I'm literally stopping. Like I'm in the act of sort of slowing down for the first time in my life because mm. I'm grinding my teeth to nubs. Oh, wow. Oof, what? Yeah, like uh, my teeth are coming, like the teeth that I use to bite my nails are oh. literally chipping away. Oh it's my horrifying. God. Oh, wow. Wow. Um. And the last two, uh, one is that one is actually a little embarrassing, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bear all here, guys. <laughs> so the last two, I like the feeling. I like my, my shoes are always tight. I like it. I like them tight. And I, and I do, also don't like tying my shoes. So I use a shoehorn to wedge my foot into my shoe. And I love that feeling of the sh- kind of the, the, the foot smoothly going into like a snug shoe I like that a lot and the last one is you know when you get a physical at the doctor and they look you know they kind of do the, the usual rigmarole and they look in your ear with that like flashlight thing mm. I love that feeling it's almost like mm. it's scratching an itch that I didn't know needed to be scratched <laughs> but I wish he would like look for like a minute instead of like two seconds you know I actually don't hate it yeah I don't hate it i don't
2: i I really tried to think about this and i don't have any like distinctive like feeling things um but i do it's i guess you know what it's not really asmr but i've always 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 loved the feeling of my own small space if that makes sense no even as a a little kid i would put like play but i would like love having my own I was obsessed with jobs where people had like their own drive-up window, cubicle, or own, uh, oh, yeah. a cubicle, or something enclosed. I liked enclosed, and so I've. I think I, I. It's not really ASMR, but like even with a car, I'm like I like my own enclosed space.
1: I used to do that on my desk. I would take my folders, like in first grade. I remember this in Miss Milkowski's yes. class. I would take my folders and I would create this like my own little cubicle where I'd like one folder in the front, two on the sides, and one on top. I it's, love and it's
3: funny you say that because I also had a similar thing. I would sell baseball cards outside of my parents' house. And there's like one building in Ann Arbor that is a basically imagine like a Portageon, but it's like made out of bricks. So it's like, you could, you could sit and that's it. Mm. I would, I would dream of buying that building and selling my baseball cards out of this building that again is literally just large enough to sit, to put a chair in and sit. And it had like, like it had like a window that like viewed like the street or something. It's it's kind. Of, mm. It was in a weird part of town. It's it was it's strange, but uh, very similar. How, how about you, Alan? Or well, did you have anything else, Elliot? I
2: think just like being under waterfall, like a waterfall. <laughs> I like <to> just <laughs> freeze under a like like water. I just like water on my head. Uh huh. I don't. I, I'm sorry. I don't have anything great. No.
3: Please,
1: I uh, so I had a few. Um, I uh, similar to Brent with the doctor, but mine's more um, home-based. I love the hearing and the sensation of a Q-tip, but I particularly love the the what it sounds like when I'm in there cleaning it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? There's there's something about that mo. And I don't go deep or anything because I've had an ear infection before where they have to like do that really painful suction thing in your ear, and that oh, is not a pleasant yeah. experience. So. I definitely, I definitely have taken the kink a little too far, if you will, back in the day. So yeah. I don't do that no more. But yeah. um, I also love, and I was talking to our friend last night about this. A, I don't smoke anymore, but everyone knows who listens to this podcast that it's the coolest thing I've ever done. And I love smoking and I miss it every single day. And I think about it every moment of every day. Um, I loved packing a pack of cigarettes, that sensation of take a new pack. You you smack it against your hand for anyone who doesn't smoke. Right. There's a process. You smack it against your hand. You peel off the cellophane thing. You open it up, you take that cigarette out and there's just enough little paper showing uh, that how well you packed it. And that whole sensation of packing. Oh, gets me off. I love it. Um I also, there's two things with my nails that I really love. I love, um, cleaning under my nails. I find it to be mm. such a satisfying process of getting dirt out, both toenails and fingernails, and then actually using a file, uh, not a file, but like a brush to clean my nails because I often have longer nails. So I like to make sure everything is clean and tidy because, I mean, we hands are in your face a lot. So you have to be careful of that. But I love that sensation. I also love, so I have my two middle fingers here, I'm flicking uh, both of the guys off right now. My two middle fingers are very brittle and the nails are not strong and there's a cut in one of them. And so I have to use this gel like topper on my nails in order to make the nails strong. So they're not always chipping off and always whatever. And it's a peel one. So like after a couple of weeks, it'll start to peel. And the process of peeling off that top gel of that nail is so fucking satisfying. It's just it's just. I sit there for so long and just slowly peel it off. I love it. Oh, that sounds good. My last one, though, is KFC Fried Chicken. The process of taking the original recipe, fried chicken, and taking the skin off that fried chicken and then eating that skin and oh. then eating... The chicken is, like, amazing. Michael is wow, – I'm looking, I'm, so I'm looking at Michael right now, pretend to throw up. It is, like – the, the sensation of it, the, not so much the sound, but the whole – the feeling of removing that original recipe. It has to be original recipe. Crispy does not work in the same way, and it does not give me the kink that I need. I have to pull that original recipe off and then put it in my mouth like it's a like – it's, like it's an appetizer. So you eat the skin all at once? Oh, my God. If I can, if it comes off. Yeah. And the thing is, like, if it only comes off in little bits, it's like, well, they, they yeah, fucked it up. Yeah, it's not fun. But if it's, like, one nice, like, like I'm moving, I'm removing a rug from the ground, you know what I mean? And I just yeah. pick it up and put it in my mouth and just, ooh, it's so good.
2: You made me think of one that I actually, like, actually, I think I thought of three more. <laughs> wow, one I'm, is I'm amused for you. Great... What? I'm amused for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one is eating a grape and peeling the skin off with my teeth.
3: Mm. Mm -hmm.
2: One is um, a paper cutter that you like, you know, doing one. Oh yes. Those were so good. Oh yeah. And then the third one is being hot and jumping into a pool. And it's like, this is the, like, obviously I like temperature control more than anything in my life. Yeah, And to go from hot to cold in one fell swoop and to feel completely refreshed and completely comfortable
3: (laughs) is, there's nothing better. See, it's so funny because I am the, we've talked about this before, I'm the opposite of Alan and Elliot. Alan is not as uh, unhinged about his need for temperature control, but uh, but you guys both certainly enjoy a cool room. I am never, I don't think I've ever jumped into a pool and not been cold immediately. So such that I don't even find it refreshing.
1: Oh, that's what? so surprising! How is just, I don't just, even know how, how is that possible?
3: Yeah, it's just like even if it's hot out, like I just find it all. It's always so jolting to jump into a cold pool that I I don't find it to be a pleasurable experience. You know what does
1: piss me off when you're doing when you're in the shower right or you're getting ready for the shower and you turn the shower water on and you think you know oh it's been a few seconds it has to be hot by now and then you touch it and it's still fucking cold that pisses me off
3: doesn't yeah. feel it's it's bad because it, it, you feel like you're wasting water my apartment I'm not trying to brag guys my current apartment has water hot water like a hotel and it turns on within one second it is oh. it is very hot within one second it's inc- it's an incredible perk of this building well
2: if that's not a reason to move downtown I don't know what <laughs> is <laughs> what would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show?
3: I'm moving to Mississippi into State House Seat 66 <laughs> just to not vote for Fabian Nelson. <laughs> My aunt Joanne
2: would say, you know, most uh, French are anti anti Semites, but I understand Celine Dion is from Canada, but I can just tell she loves the Jews. She <laughs> <It> does. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? Yeah, Aunt Anne.
1: My Aunt Anne would say my favorite ASMR moment is taking off my bra. <laughs> yeah, probably. I
3: mean, Let it feel good. Let More female hosts on this podcast. I'm sure that would have been their ASMR moment. Well, we know I do how like we feel taking off things. my socks, and that's a similar. That's a very similar no, thing. I don't.
2: Well, let's see how you feel about taking off your shirt. One of these. <laughs>
3: never (laughs) never all right see you next week bye Bye, (laughs) jerk (laughs) just kidding